The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk. Now, Irish people are the biggest users of cocaine in Europe, and with this substance abuse comes a host of other problems, including physical and mental and many social implications. Joining me now, consultant psychiatrist Colin O'Gara, head of addiction services at St. John of God and UCD clinical professor. Colin, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, there are physical effects, there are mental effects, there are societal effects to the use of cocaine. Let's start with the physical effects. Yes, indeed. So, cocaine is a drug, Pat, um, that has really substantial physical effects on the body. So, uh, I would start, in fact, with more recent reports and seeing people coming in with difficulties with the nose, in fact. So, um, levamisole is a warming agent that is with cocaine uh, more recently and it does lead to irritation of the nasal passage. Um, we know in extreme cases that you can get complete collapse of the septum of the nose. So really what I would be seeing is sniffling, which goes from mild up to uh, quite noticeable. If I see somebody for the first time, you can tell that they're immediately sniffling. So that's, it. that's an issue recently. In terms of other effects, uh, you know, there's huge effects on the cardiovascular system. One of the biggest ones in terms of young people, unfortunately, is, and I know my, if, if any of my stroke colleagues are listening to this, uh, is a stroke or a hemorrhagic stroke. So basically, the blood pressure increases to such an extent that it leads to a shattering of one of the um, blood vessels in the brain, um, which is quite catastrophic. Another link to that is that you can get a cardiac arrhythmia, which leads to a clot collection in older patients in one of the atriums of the heart, and that that clot then uh, goes up, leaves the heart, and is lodged in the brain. So serious, serious issues in terms of stroke. One of the biggest things I would say in terms of the older age group is somebody in their 50s and 60s, and I do unfortunately have a great deal of patients who use in that age group, the increase in blood pressure is really, really uh, bad if you have pre-existing cardiac disease. So you're basically speeding up the heart, you're increasing the blood pressure, you're putting huge pressure on the cardiovascular system, which can lead to these difficulties. The question of how much cocaine might give rise to these difficulties, are we talking about repetitive users or could these effects be manifest even in casual users? No, unfortunately, one use is all that's needed in terms of cardiac arrhythmia. So um, you might recall, Pat, the very sad case of Leah Betts in the UK who went to a friend's house and um, took uh, half an ecstasy tablet and unfortunately ended up in intensive care and subsequently died. Um, with cocaine, um, because it's so widespread and used um, in increasing prevalences now, there's a perception that it's, you know, in some way a safe drug. Not the case, uh, unfortunately, because one use of cocaine can lead to a very serious cardiac arrhythmia, the kind of irregular heartbeat that we're used to seeing would be initially a condition called atrial fibrillation, where the atria fibrillate as opposed to contracting. And uh, this can lead occasionally to more serious, even more serious arrhythmias, where the ventricles don't uh, work properly, and that can lead to cardiac arrest. So unfortunately, 
No, Pat. Uh, one use of cocaine can lead to these difficulties and terribly tragic when it does happen and when people die in these circumstances. Now, the mental effects. Uh, what does use of cocaine on a regular basis uh, do to the mind? So, in terms of occasional use, it is possible that people will get away without any mental effects. That's for sure. Um, however, as you continue to use the drug, and even after one episode, depending on, I mean, if you're in your 20s, you may get away with it. One use in terms of the mental effects may not be there. But what I see is the older uh, you get, this is similar to alcohol, the less likely you are to be able to withstand what is really a potent dopamine releaser. So cocaine hits the dopamine transporter and it, there is a surge of release of dopamine at that particular receptor and the brain is flooded with dopamine. The issue is what happens after that is that the, you know, what goes up must come down effectively. And what we would see as with a lot of stimulants is that you get maybe the day after, but sometimes it's even midweek. So if people are using it a weekend, you get this awful trough in the middle of the week, which is generally referred to as come down. And the more you use, the more substantial that gets. Now, you could say that a lot of that is subclinical in terms of depression, but in a lot of cases, we are being referred people who would really meet the criteria for a severe depressive episode, meaning that they have no sense of hope for the future, no energy, and feeling complete, completely depleted, and in some cases having suicidal thoughts. So obviously... Uh, well, maybe not obviously, but it, with escalating dose, those symptoms certainly get worse. So that's the depression side. Because um, cocaine is a potent, what we call dopamine agonist, or releases dopamine within the brain, the issue of psychosis then is another issue. So increasing paranoia, and we see this with the use of crack cocaine in particular, that whilst intoxicated, paranoia increases dramatically. Um, but Paranoia can start to seep in when people are not using as well if you are predisposed to developing that type of a condition. In the worst case scenario, that leads for the need for antipsychotic drugs or for admission into an inpatient psychiatric unit where there are you know, difficulties with delusions and hallucinations or generally a sense of suspiciousness and paranoia that people are either talking about you or out to get you. Now, the question of addiction to cocaine, I mean, there could be the kind of addiction that people like the way they feel and therefore when they come down from uh, using cocaine, they want to retrieve this feeling and bring it into their everyday work. So therefore they become a, a regular l user just to achieve that level of performance every day. But then there's another thing which would be physical addiction, whereby if you give it up, you have withdrawal symptoms. How likely is either of those in terms of cocaine use? We know from genetic studies that some people are more predisposed to the reinforcing effects of cocaine than others. So therefore, if one person takes the drug, the time to them becoming dependent or developing serious concerns with cocaine might be a lot shorter than somebody else. So the effectively, we do not know. We don't have predictive genomic testing that we can go to a clinic and test our, our genome 
to say that if we take cocaine, we're going to run into these kind of difficulties. It's quite possible in future that we will be able to do that, but at the moment we don't. So we're all effectively guinea pigs if we take cocaine and we're exposed to both the cocaine and all the other, uh, uh, call them adulterants, I suppose, that go with the cocaine. Mm. What about the use of alcohol with cocaine? The concurrent use of alcohol with cocaine is probably the single most important issue in terms of cocaine use. So cannabis for a long time has been thought to be a gateway drug. Um, in our clinical services, alcohol most definitely is the single most important gateway drug. What I would mean by that is that if somebody drinks a certain amount, that then they are much more likely to go and seek out cocaine. And because cocaine is so widely available within, say, pubs and the hospitality industry in general, really they go hand in hand. But there's a long, long history, too, of the two drugs being taken. The reason why it's such a, a potent combination is that cocaine and alcohol combine to form a third pharmacologically active component in the body called cocaethylene. And this pharmacologically active compound is like another drug in the body, which we know from data is actually cardiotoxic and toxic to the system in addition to cocaine. So if a person goes into a pub and has, say, eight pints, generally what will happen there is the sedation effects of the alcohol will kick in and the individual will be in the corner, maybe either slurring or uh, being unstable on the feet. Generally, we're talking you know, about a messy presentation. What our experience has shown is that cocaine is playing a role within pubs, put people back on their feet, and enable them to drink more alcohol. And in our clinical services, that is probably the single most important fact. So people are drinking for longer and using more cocaine as a result. Um, We talk about uh, treatment for uh, the use of cocaine, and you could imagine there could be treatment for addiction. Does that involve a, a detox? And is kind of after detox, is rehab necessary? In an ideal world, yes, Pat. So, so in the first instance, to try and give um, your listeners an idea of, um, uh, you know, cocaine use in this country is, you know, we talk about it in, in, in generalities. The people that we care for in terms of this addiction move from a weekend use, perhaps slowly leaks into weekday use until people are using every day, all day. And sometimes it's hard to, you know, cocaine is seen as a drug that is a weekend drug. And of course, it's glamorized and normalized, you know, in in, in many different ways in society. But from our viewpoint, which is, you know, the coalface of clinical services, we invariably get referrals from general practitioners for people who are using cocaine on an everyday basis throughout the day. So, and it can escalate, as I've said, to that point quite quickly. And it is really unreasonable to think that somebody can, you know, heal from that position by being in the community. So in, a, in, in, in many cases, there is a need to take somebody in to an inpatient setting and to provide what's called detoxification. Now, detox and rehab are, you know, the, the probably poorly understood, but the first step in helping people is to stabilize them from using the drug. So take them out of a situation where they have been using the drug, bring them into a safe environment and 
so they obviously stop taking the drug, but also that we prescribe other medications to prevent adverse consequences. So the development of, for instance, psychosis or depressive states or the person is agitated. So in that case, we would use drugs called benzodiazepines, which are also addictive themselves, mind you, but they're used in the short term to sedate the individual. Following that, then, you know, if somebody goes out, if they have stabilized, it is not ideal for somebody to be going out after a week or two. So mainly across the world, there is this facility for people to do residential care or inpatient rehab. And that part is critical. You know, there's, um, there's probably a TV portrayal of that, of people in, um, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, refer to holiday camp or whatever. Not the case in terms of rehab. There's a lot of evidence-based treatment in terms of talking therapies, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy being the one that's most uh, useful in cocaine use disorder that is effective and has been looked at in randomized controlled trials. And, uh, you know, after a period of time, then people are in a position where they can withstand cravings and rejoin, get back to work and rejoin society. Yeah. Um, finally, what, what is coming down the tracks? I mean, uh, crack cocaine, we hear of it from time to time. We've watched the epidemic of opioids in America, the spread of fentanyl, which is much more powerful per gram than heroin would be. Um, the talk of decriminalizing cocaine for personal use, what, what do you say against that background to our legislators? Well, I think we need to be incredibly careful, is what I would say. Um, you know, the we have a situation with cannabis at the moment uh, where my sense is that the criminalization of cannabis has reduced. Certainly in this situation with the Met in the UK, it's been effective decriminalization. And that's the, re- the reality. The arrest for, for, for cannabis in the UK has gone down substantially. My view on this has been clear from the outset that in terms of looking at alternative models to that which we have used to date, which, effect, which has been ineffective, we have an opportunity to do that with cannabis. However, I have concerns taking into account our genetics in Ireland, our predisposition to severe addiction and mental disorder off the back of that, that we have an opportunity to see with cannabis before we move on to other drugs that will be considered uh, harder is the term or that could be associated with a lot more harm. The question in my mind is, will decriminalization, and, and, and it's very important to make this differentiation in terms of I am talking about decriminalization as opposed to legalization. I think we, and I'm sorry, I might add a health-led approach in terms of not stigmatizing people who have drug addiction. So on the one hand, we have a duty to care for people who run into difficulties with addiction, and I appreciate that may only be one piece of it, but also people who use drugs. Out of the million people in the UK, you will find that a lot of these individuals, and it's very hard to put a percentage on it, there is a backdrop of loneliness, mental health difficulties, and trauma there that we need to address. And the the purely criminalization model has its place, of course it does, but also we need to investigate other areas where we can support not only people who end up 
in the addiction services with clear addiction disorders, but also people who use drugs for whatever reason. And those people also actually need to be supported. And the only way we get to those people is by starting with a decriminalised as opposed to legalisation model in the first instance. Consultant psychiatrist, head of addiction services at St. John of God and a UCD clinical professor, Colin O'Gara. Colin, thank you very much for joining us on the programme. Thanks very much, Pat. Well, uh, something much more cheerful. Uh, this week we've teamed up with Travel Department. It's an Irish-owned company with over 25 years' experience perfecting holidays to hundreds of destinations worldwide. They offer fully guided group holidays, which can include flights, accommodation, transfers and excursions with local guides. You can check out their new destinations, which include Costa Rica and South Korea, at traveldepartment.com. So our prize every day, a €500 Euro Travel Department voucher, but then on Friday all the daily winners go into the hat and our overall prize is a five-night trip for two to celebrate St. Patrick's Day in New York, four nights in a four-star B&B accommodation in Hotel Rio Plaza on Times Square, flights, transfers and guided excursions all included. Uh, for competition terms and conditions, they are to be found at newstalk.com forward slash win. To enter, just identify this New York-born female actor. Carolina, would you like to be a princess today? I can't, I'm too little. Too piccola. Oh, no, because I declare that anyone can be a princess today. Well, why don't we get you a tiara and you can wave and march in the parade? In fact, why don't you all take tiaras? So, if you know who that is giving out the tiaras, uh, all you have to do is text FLY plus your name and answer to us on 53106 at a cost of 30 cent. Some of the texts coming in, cocaine, it's clear to see there's a storm of mental health and cardiac issues brewing for regular users of cocaine who are now in their early 20s when they hit their 30s and beyond. The question I have, why can't the Irish government run awareness campaigns on TV, on radio, online, in the same way they do with smoking and alcohol? It would stigmatise the use of cocaine and show the damage that it causes and the criminals it supports. It would be far cheaper and possibly more effective than tackling cocaine using the legal system, customs and guard the resources. And a final one for the moment. Crack cocaine is the biggest problem, not cocaine. Dublin kids out selling it all day from nine in the morning. It's ripping through the community lately and addicts I've spoken to need it every two hours and cannot get off it. It is so sad. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.